HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This week on Meet and Three, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S. They're using this romance and fantasy to say dates are exotic and you should consume them. I like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market. It's not like other foods. We have very like personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. Um, and today on the show, uh, I just have a few notes before we get into the main show. Um, I'd like to dedicate this episode to the passing of Shannon Vocal, who unfortunately passed away at the young age of 28. Uh, she was a member of the cheese community, a CCP certified monger. She worked at Say Cheese in Port Jefferson, Long Island. She competed in the CMI and was really a friend to many of us in the cheesemonger world. Um, she will be missed. And um, it is in these days, we should always remember to reach out to one another. So on a sad note, I want to start the show, but uh, now we're going to go to some quirky things that we didn't get to last week as well, um, which is uh, a listener reminded me, I did not let Nick Bain finish talking about what a truckle is. So uh, to that special listener out there, I will quickly tell everyone a truckle is a, a cylindrical wheel of cheese that is usually taller than it is wide. Uh, and it is mostly barrel-shaped. It also uh, varies in size. It's um, sometimes also coated with wax, but um, it's about 55 pounds or 25 kilos if you're going by the metric system, um, and also bandage wrap occasionally. Um, so now, along with the notes, I'm done with my notes, uh, I would like to go on and introduce Amy Sherman. Amy Sherman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on today. 
Absolutely. So you are the editor-in-chief of The Cheese Professor, which is, um, according to the site, and I, I believe this is true, it's an online homeroom to learn about all things cheese. Uh, you introduce like different types of cheese, you do pairings and history and trends, but you're also looking at like the cooler stuff like travel tips, book reviews and recipes. Um, this is this is very cool. I'm really digging your website. Um, can you describe to the listeners like how this got started and, and your version of, of what it is, The Cheese Professor? Sure. So The Cheese Professor is actually the second um, publication from the publisher who was the founder of The Alcohol Professor. And the publisher is an enthusiast. He is an enthusiast of alcohol. He is an enthusiast of cheese, not an expert by any means, but just really really passionate about it and very supportive of the industry and wanting to share the gospel of cheese, I guess. So the site launched uh, early pandemic, I guess, about May of last year. And it's been a ball to just shape this and cover the topics that we think are interesting and have kind of a new perspective on on cheese. We've gotten a few um, cheesemongers to contribute and uh, people who work in hospitality, as well as just a variety of different writers. And we're just looking for all kinds of stories, everything, like you mentioned, from education to just quirky, unusual stories. Um, We're going to start a series that'll be profiling the cheese shops that we love and um, yeah, just sharing our passion for cheese. Yeah, I think that's what I, I noticed about the articles that I thought was, and, and the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because some of the information I had not really run across before. Um, so for example, I was looking at the fondue article, which could fall into like a pretty common space, but um, in it, you actually interviewed or your correspondent, which um, we'll get into in a second. She interviewed someone who worked as the director of the Greer Museum and talked to an executive chef at the Swiss consulate to kind of get all these cool French and Swiss terms about fondue. Is that something that you kind of direct as the editor-in-chief? Absolutely. I mean, there's sort of the core educational stuff that we want to answer the questions that our readers have about cheese, but we also want to be a site that's of interest to people in the industry. So whether it's coming up with obscure bits and pieces or uh, sharing personal stories from people, we just, we want to, we want to be original. We want to be, we want to have expertise. Uh, We want to be unique. We want to be opinionated. Um, And, and we want that passion to come through. And, and sometimes that leads us down some, some interesting, (laughs) some interesting roads where we discover things that really haven't been written about very much. So, you know, we, one of my writers, for example, early on wanted to do a profile of a cheesemonger in, in uh, India, which is not a country known for cheese, but she, she was an interesting person. She'd come to the United States to go to graduate school and decided she was going to chuck it all and become a cheesemonger and then went back to India. And she just has a fascinating story. And then that led us to this idea of just really interesting um, 
hyper-local inclusions, I guess is what you'd call it. But cheese is being made in places with ingredients that you just would never consider for cheese. So we have a story out today that's about... Um, the cheeses in India, and we spoke to that same cheesemonger, but a couple of cheesemakers using ingredients from India that you would never think about putting in cheese, I don't think, and why they make sense in India. And then we have another one that's coming up for Japan as well, where they're using cherry blossoms and bamboo and just just really interesting stuff that's um, kind of unique. We had a story about the cheese in Vietnam, um, things that just have not gotten a lot of, uh, haven't gotten much visibility up till now. And so who would you, well, let me, before I ask you that other question, how do you find the correspondence? Do they come to you or are you researching that? Yeah, it's kind of a, com it's kind of a combination. So um, I definitely have a good network of writers, some of whom uh, really specialize in writing about cheese and others who are just great writers, curious thinkers and um you know, can take on any topic and, and do a good job with cheese. Um, I'm definitely open to new contributors, um, especially people in the industry who are opinionated and have something that they want to share. Sometimes I reach out to people in the industry and ask them to write a specific story, but it, it varies. It's it, That's definitely been kind of part of the fun of this site is, is developing the stable of writers and nurturing them and helping them find these really cool stories to share. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, there was there was a very cool article about even university cheeses that I was I, I didn't for some reason I hadn't seen that kind of article before, and I was like, oh, this is neat. Like they're they're looking into the dairy science departments of different universities to see what cheeses they're making um, per university, and uh, I think one of the cheeses was like Cougar Gold or something. You know, it just had some really cute information in there that I was like, oh, this is this is neat. I had never thought about that before. So. Uh, kudos to you and your team for uh, kind of bringing this information forward, you know? Um, yeah, we haven't we haven't totally geeked out on the science side yet, but I, I can tell we're moving in that direction. I, when when in that story, there was also a mention of a, a blue cheese that's not blue. <laughs> and again, it was had to do with the science of cheese and cultures and what makes things blue? And it was just fascinating. I mean, you can you can definitely go down some rabbit holes when it comes to cheese. Yeah. And so do you feel going from, I, uh, you mentioned the alcohol professor and now the cheese professor, are you learning so much more that you did not anticipate before? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I am not by any means a cheese expert. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I think that was a great advantage to me because it's such an incredible food culture here. I mean, I grew up with with world-class cheesemakers in my backyard. I mean, we used to go to Marin French cheese, you know, for picnics. I mean, it didn't ever occur to me that this wasn't normal for everybody in the United States. <laughs> right, of course. Um, right? Very <laughs> lucky. I was like, well, that's easy. I'll just go to Marin French today. That, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I, it's just... You grow up in the shadow of Cowgirl Creamery, Laura Chanel. I mean, just that's just normal. And then you realize, oh, not a, not everybody has that in their backyard. Um, and I, I have always loved cheese and love discovering cheese when I travel and have traveled to a lot of places in the world um, to learn more about cheese. Um, 
you know, it's, I mean, you can make the joke about culture, but it is culture, right? <laughs> um, absolutely. So it's, no, absolutely. So it's, it's just, it's fascinating. I learn every day. I learn from every story that people turn in and, and then I have, you know, these topics that I'm curious about. And if I don't have the ability to write about them, I'm always looking for somebody, you know, who will talk about, you know, the EU naming conventions for cheese. I mean, I'm obsessed with this. I, I want someone to write about it for us. So, um, yeah, so it's just it's it's fun it's fun for me as a curious person to to constantly be learning. I'll be looking forward to that article as well as as a few other people I'm sure will be. Um, that is a, a a topic that still needs a lot of research, like you said. Um, so I'm curious um, is this because you're right? This is a very it, well it seems to me a very accessible content. Um, and I, are you doing that intentionally, or is this aimed at the cheese industry? Who is your audience? Abs yeah, absolutely. So the audience is kind of an interesting mix of both industry professionals as well as what we call enthusiasts. So people who already have an interest in cheese, um, we want to dig a little bit deeper for them. So um, so it's it's a combination. It's a combination. And, and that's not always easy to do. Some of our stories definitely... Uh, skew a little bit more towards non-professionals as opposed to other stories that that uh, skew towards professionals. I think there's not a lot of places for actually the professionals to read about cheese. There's not a lot of publications about cheese. Um, there are dairy industry publications, but they're really... There, there aren't that many publications out there dedicated to cheese. So if that's your profession... Um, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to me to see the the weekly newsletters that come from the American Cheese Society and from um, Culture Magazine. Um, it's uh, there's there's room there's room for a lot more, and I'm happy that we publish three times a week because I always have tons of topics that we want to cover. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, because I, I think curating content for cheese programs. And for you, you know, I'm thinking of myself right now, but for it, you really to find the new angles, right? Isn't that you're kind of like always researching, I feel like. So um, what's next in your trends list? Do you have like a um, certain thing that, well, I guess you sort of mentioned the Japanese, the Asian trends are kind of going on. Um, is there something else that you're also? Yeah, looking we're looking to? for. We're, we're definitely looking to decolonize cheese, <laughs> and look yeah. at cheese beyond just Europe, and recognize that cheese exists all over the world, um, and and pay some attention to it, and um, and give it some visibility. Um, but I also am very excited to have a fantastic cheese writer. Um, she's an American who moved to France, I don't know, some 20 years ago, uh, Jennifer Greco. Uh, you may know her blog, Chez Lulu. She just did a post recently about cheese for David Leibovitz. She, she has tasted 400 of the 1,500 French cheeses and written oh about God. them. And wow. uh, yeah, very impressive. And she's going to start, she's going to do some writing for us. And I'm super excited because she's feet on the ground in France writing about cheese. And um, that's just, I know she's going to share details that, um, again, professionals as well as enthusiasts are just going to 
really enjoy learning about. She's going to add that extra layer of expertise and opinion um, that hopefully is what sets our, our content apart. We just did a piece uh, last week about becoming a certified cheese professional. And there are a lot of articles out about that, but I really think ours is the best because we sat down with someone who went through studying for it, preparing for it. She owns a cheese shop, her internship, you know, she got into the nitty gritty of what that test was all about, what the the preparation for the exam was, how long it took her, you know, her emotions. I mean, it's just, it's a very, even if you're not going to study for it, it's worth a read to, to, to learn just what goes into it. And, and it, quickly becomes clear why so few people achieve the status of a CCP. Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, Amy, I'm just going to say, let's take a quick break here because I have a follow-up question. So listeners, you're listening to Cutting the Curd. I am Karen Warren, and we have Amy Sherman on the show, and we will be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same, its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Cutting the Curd. I'm Kara Warren, and we have Amy Sherman of The Cheese Professor on the show today. Um, Amy and I were just talking about how hard it is to become a CCP certified professional, um, and I, I like that you dug into the nitty gritty of it, as you mentioned before. Um, and I think what I wanted to raise as a follow-up question to that is, I notice on your website that there are not ad, not any ads that I could detect. And I think, does this help you guys to give quality content? Like, I, I don't feel like there's a political nature behind the articles that you print. I feel extremely fortunate that our publication does not have advertising, um, and I think our publisher is has resisted having advertising from uh, on both sites because he wants it to stay independent. Um, he wants it to stay high quality, and um, that's just 
so rare these days to be able to focus on that and not have sponsored content, not have advertising distracting you. We're not really beholden to anyone. I, I, I think we're kind of the cheerleaders for, for the best in the industry. We try to really shine a light on the people and places and um, cheeses that we think are worthwhile. Um, you know, we, we, we don't write about all cheese. I will say that, um, you know, our focus is on farmstead, artisan, craft, and traditionally produced cheeses. Um, that's what we, that's what we celebrate. And that's what we really want to focus on as much as possible. And certainly not having advertising, um, allows us great breadth to, uh, be opinionated. Um, but again, we, we keep it pretty positive. Yeah, I, I think that's um, something that's very hard to find um, in this day and age. In age. Um, so I, I'm really into the articles that you guys are putting out there right now. Um, I also know that you and I are working together on a cheese competition. So the cheese professor is, and, and you're working with me to do this, to produce the New York International Cheese Competition. Um, how excited are you for this? I, it's going to be coming out in May this year, um, listeners. So keep your eyes and ears out for this. Um, what do you think, Amy? I'm excited about it. I got a chance to be a judge for the first time in a cheese competition, and um, it was a great experience. I will not be a judge <laughs> in the upcoming competitions, um, but it really gave me a little bit of insight into what that process is like. And I think that the publisher, again, has done such an incredible job. He really was inspired um, by the idea of making a competition that is about the trade. Um, so taking people who are in the trade and allowing them to be the judges and uh, and judging it using their instincts and, and what they know about the industry. And that's that's actually, it sounds really obvious, but it's actually not the way most competitions are done. Um, exactly. You know, you have yeah. these su supposed experts, you know, and you don't know what their loyalties are. You don't know who they are. Um, and, you know, they're just, you know, coming up with their decisions. And, you know, it's a system that's been around for a really long time. And I just think that the way these competitions are being done is very refreshing. It's been very successful in the beer, wine and spirits categories. And especially with how difficult things have been this year with cheese and with so many of the international and even national competitions shutting down this year. Um, I, I think truly we're doing a public service. You know, we're serving um, the retailers, we're serving the producers and we're serving um, the consumers. And it's what I like about this competition is um of course, we have amazing artisanal American cheeses here, but it also is allowing for the international community to shine as well. Um, and, and let like new cheesemakers from Europe even apply to be in this, because as I understand in the rules, any commercially produced cheese from anywhere in the world is eligible to enter. So this could be their ticket to bust into the cheese scene, like the buyers will be able to see these products for the first time. Which is absolutely cool. that's that. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. Yeah, hopefully it will uncover some really interesting, interesting cheeses. Are you, um, are cheesemakers reaching out to you directly yet uh, for Cheese Professor articles? Um, yes, definitely. Okay. 
Okay. And um, I think one of the things that I particularly love about the industry is um, how open it really has been. Um, you know, it's it's not hard to typically it's not hard to reach people, and people are responsive. I mean. I, like I say, I am not a cheese professional by any means. And yet there are people who, to me, are just, I'm in awe of them, <laughs> you know, uh, especially some of the American cheesemakers. And, you know, I reach out to them and tell them I want to write a story. I'd like to interview them or can I put somebody in touch? And the openness of the community, the willingness to share and to um, to be part of it is just is, is really um is something I really cherish. Not every industry is like that. That's interesting. As compared to maybe um, the spirits and beer world, uh, are well, we nicer well, you know, than the, well, you know, <laughs> maybe that's not a well, fair question. Know, <laughs> I, I think every industry has its own personality for sure. I'm thinking specifically actually of, of a different industry, which is chocolate. Chocolate, wow. the chocolate industry is extremely competitive and there's a lot of paranoia amongst chocolate makers. They're afraid of people stealing their ideas, um, of uh, destroying their partnerships, um, of copying them. It's uh, there's a lot of wariness if you interview people in the chocolate world. They're not quite as forthcoming in general. There isn't the level of transparency um, and it's hard to get them all together for something because they all have their own priorities and they, there's a lot of mistrust, I guess I would say. And I don't see that quite as much in the cheese world. I, I so feel like I had no idea uh, chocolate was that competitive. <laughs> yeah. God. yeah there, there's some paranoia and, <laughs> yeah there's some paranoia and it's not all unwarranted i would say <laughs> oh i see okay well you know i think it, it comes down to the terroir concept that even if somebody tried to do the same recipe back to back if the milk is from two different places it can't it can't exist as the exact same cheese it's just always going to be different um at least that's my opinion about this um but i mean it's quirky. Cheese is quirky, um, but in a good way, it sounds like. And I love that you're coming into this and learning so much about cheese and, um, and, and looking at it from a new, like a new fresh slate. Like, um, like you said, I, uh, I think that's really good for the industry to get a refresh on everything as well. Um, so that's great. I um, also wanted to ask you about vermouth and cheese pairing. Uh, this was my last other favorite article that I wanted to bring up because uh, I had never thought about this, but there is such a big trend in vermouth now from all these different countries and they all have like different makeups. Uh, to pair them with cheese seems like very ideal. Um, did you get to test this yourself or was this the correspondent that put this together? Yeah, I have to say that was not one that I came up with. That was Lisa Futterman, who um, actually works um, for for in the cheese industry, and um, I think she actually she I think she actually has um, she's both a, a certified cheese professional, and she has a background in writing about um, writing about alcohol, um, and I thought. That was that was one that definitely uh, came as a surprise to me. I, I was not thinking vermouth and cheese, and yet <laughs> she sold me on it, and it's it's pretty fascinating. I I actually am a fan of vermouth. Um, 
I don't have that much at home. I have a little bit. Um, vermouth is very popular in France as an aperitif, and I I actually really just enjoy vermouth on ice more than I enjoy martinis. Um, and why not with cheese? When you think about all those herbal flavors and mm -hmm. um, what's going on with it, it's it's actually quite fascinating. Yeah, I, I just I, I now I'm going to start to collect vermouth, and I'm going to lose another shelf in my house to, to vermouth. <laughs> I feel like, um, but this is what I do for the sake of cheese and and for my my foodie habit. Um, Amy, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show today. Um, this was really great, and I hope our listeners get to explore uh, the cheese professor much much more. Um, was there any other notes that you wanted to mention to our listeners out there that I might have missed or, or that you wanted to say? No, I, I would say, well, the one thing I would say is we have a weekly newsletter. So if you enjoy the site, by all means, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We also love to share good news. So if there's something happening in the cheese world that you think we should either be writing about or should go in our newsletter, by all means, um, contact me. Uh, editor at cheeseprofessor.com and um, and let's talk. That's perfect, perfect. And they can everyone can follow you on Instagram at Cooking with Amy, correct? Yes, that's my personal my personal. Uh, oh no, well if, we'll see. <laughs> personal <laughs> one, but the yeah. Cheese Professor. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, very cool. Well, everyone, you heard it here today. Cheese Professor Amy Sherman, uh, new cheese website for everyone to check out. Uh, Please follow us at Cutting the Curd. Uh, you can follow me at Kara Warren. And uh, I hope you all have a safe and cozy winter right now and eat more cheese. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.